Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview series, episode number 211. And I am really excited to have on this week, out of Michigan, uh, the great state of Michigan, Mr. Kevin White, they call him Q. I'm going to ask him about that, just letting you know, Kevin. Uh, but uh, the head boys basketball coach at Northern Portage High School in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Excited to have Coach White on here. Looks like he's a Michigan fan. We're going to have a little Big Ten discussion, possibly. Iowa against Michigan, I don't know. We're going to have to see. Uh, but, uh, no, excited to have Coach White on here. But before we get to Coach White... Uh, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Give them a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. I still call it Twitter. It's probably X or whatever we're supposed to call it these days. I try to put out daily coaching tidbits. Unfortunately, uh, my season's over, so now I have a little bit more time to do some napkins and do some two-minute drills and do some other things and get some other things lined up to put on Twitter. So be sure to check that stuff out. Uh, if you're listening, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it may be, like, rate, review, give us five stars, write a good review. When coaches look up uh, Coaching Basketball Podcasts, uh, it helps a pen and a napkin move up the, the, the ratings and things like that so more people can listen. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Go check out a penandanapkin.com. It's a coaching website. It's got a lot of really, really good stuff on there. I encourage you to check that out. But before we talk any further about that stuff, let's get to the meat and potatoes of our episode here today. Coach White, Coach Kevin White, Northern Portage High School out of Kalamazoo. Coach, how are you doing this fine Sunday evening? I'm doing good. I'm actually folding practices for tomorrow's practice at the High school coaching job's never done. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, mine is for a little while here, you know. Uh, uh, but it was it was it was a good year. Uh, it was a really really good year. I'm still at that point where. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the sudden ending, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not the fall that kills you. It's the sudden stop. And, uh, you know, it, it's starting to sink in how good of a year that we had and the, and the kids that we had to work with. They were really, really awesome. Our parents were great. Uh, administration off the charts, my managers, my assistant coaches, everything. And, and uh, to win 16 games um, is, is a really, really good year. And we had a really young team. So, I, I'm still kind of processing that right now, but I'm happy that you're still going, Coach. I'm I'm going to live vicariously through you, if you don't mind that. Sounds good. Sounds good. We we start a little bit later in Michigan. Uh, we we actually flipped with the girls this year, so we start a little bit later. So we've got one we have one regular season game left, and our state our state tournament starts uh, next week for the whole state. So we're pretty excited. Um, we got a little less snow now, um, <laughs> so it's starting to feel a little bit like March Madness. Um, which is good, but uh, I mean, at, at Porter's Owen, we're excited about the direction of the basketball program. My, my administration is awesome. Yep. Uh, I, I could name drop them all, but I won't. They know who they are. They're going to want to listen to this. But I mean, we have a mantra at our school called Pack Strong, uh, and we, we feel as though that we're just uh, one big happy school. It's in the developing young men and young women every day to get them better for when they leave our building. So mm-hmm. basketball, is, basketball is a tool for that. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to work in this school. I'm uh, actually the behavior specialist and dean of students. So kind of a role a little bit of both but I love being able to see my players every day and I love being able to see all the other kids every day uh, I think I've added a few butts to the student section being able to work in the school 
working the kids during the cafeteria at lunch. Hey, you coming to the game tonight? So yep. kind of hard to tell me no. They see me in the hallways every day. So it's, <laughs> it's been going good. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it, it's so important to have that supportive administration. Uh, you know, I know uh, the, the three gentlemen that I work for are absolutely terrific. Uh, they've been there whenever I've had a question or trying to figure things out. And it, it just makes your job so much easier, doesn't it, Coach? Oh, yeah, it really does. And when I think about our administration team, is they were all, they've all done something in athletics before, either being an AD or being a coach or having children who played sports. So I could bounce ideas off of them, not just X and O's wise, but, you know, fundraising and um, booster club meeting stuff and summer camp. And, you know, they're all kind of athletic minded, understanding that my vision and their vision needs to match. Mm-hmm. And if I need something, if I need something on their end, it's not just, oh, well, you know, it's not always just a yes. I got to come with the right proposal and the right ideas to do some certain things. But they really want us to be innovative and try to do new things and help support the kids and get them in front of people. They want to play at the next level and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of nice in my administration. They all kind of have an athletic background and not just basketball, but other sports. So we can kind of get you know our heads together sometimes and try to come up with some good ideas to help continue to change and get out of this non-COVID era that we're in right now. So we're trying to get back to some normalcy. So it's been kind of good for us. Yeah. Well, hey, Kevin, uh, let's get this started the way that we normally do. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for folks that, that aren't familiar with your basketball journey. Uh, you know, just how did you end up being the uh, head boys basketball coach there at Northern Portage? Well, it's a, it's a long, it's a long time ago. I mean, I've been doing this now for 24 years, but I started as a ball boy at my high school, uh, Nib Reister who was the high school basketball coach at the time. It's my high school I went to, which is Kalamazoo Hackett, which I literally live behind now, which is kind of funny. Um, was the high school coach, and I was kind of a latchkey kid. Um, my mom worked till five, and I needed to be somewhere after school with an adult. And he decided to let me hang out with the basketball team, and I was the ball boy. I went from a ball boy to a player, and then after that I played at Glen Oaks Community College uh, for some time, and then uh, ended my sophomore year at Glen Oaks. A man by Daryl Matthews said, hey, you come back to Kalamazoo. I'm starting this travel basketball organization called Camp Girl Basketball Academy. I'm looking for some young coaches um, that want to get involved and do things the right way. And I knew when I got done playing at Glen Oaks, I kind of wanted to start coaching because I got some advice from Manny and Von Washington. He said, get in coaching while you're young before you have a wife and kids because then you can have the opportunity to travel and go to Final Fours and rub elbows with and kind of fall, kind of make your own path, you know? Yep. So I started coaching at 19 instead of 35 because I kind of had done a lot of the stuff my buddies are trying to get into now and now I got the best job in the country in my opinion because I can say I've kind of done everything that somebody's gotten trying to do now like I see where division one is and division two in those college high level but I kind of love the fact that I'm on the ground with my kids every day and getting to coach them so um, I spent some time at Albion College um, Aquinas College um, kind of been all over Michigan and the Midwest uh, Wisconsin Stout during COVID, would thank the goodness for James Lake. He put me on his staff. It was awesome to be Menominee, Wisconsin. Um, it's probably the most snow I've ever seen in my life, coaching Menominee, to be honest. But it was a, fu- it was a, it was a unique and fun year recruiting and traveling for him. But um, small college was kind of my niche. I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, if I can give any advice, I'm going to try to give some of this pod today. For all the people who want to be young coaches, to be expiring co- young coaches, not to kill your junior Division One, but at small college, Division Two and Division Three. You have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to do more. So you get to recruit, coach on the floor, and schedule all the trips and stuff. Yep. So I got the opportunity to do in small college because the staff is so much smaller at small college. You get to do more stuff on the staff. 
yep. the higher the bigger the, the bigger the school, as you know, you may just be in charge of making sure the pizza's on the bus after the game, and that's it. Yep. Or a small college, you got to order the bus, get the hotel, get the tickets, and have the scout ready, and make five recruiting calls before the next morning. Mm-hmm. So I was blessed to do all that kind of stuff at a young age. So it kind of helped me prepare for the job that I have now. Okay. Uh, how did you uh, How did you end up at uh, at Northern there then? So I was coaching at Aquinas College with Brian Batora and uh, Chris Andrews, who's an, uh, a state championship baseball coach at Forest Northern. Um, I was a, I knew him from being in the area. He's a really good baseball coach. Uh, he happened to say, hey, we may have an opening at our high school. And I said, oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm back in Kalamazoo living. I'm still making the drive to Grand Rapids. This is like 45 minutes uh, one way. And uh, we just had our – we to have our second child. My wife's kind of like, you know, we got to kind of look at what we're doing. The northern job kind of came open, and I kind of thought my wife was talking about, like, we're going to be gone all the time. We got two kids, and I was thinking, man, big high school. I live four minutes from the school. Yep. They got, got four gyms. Yeah, let's take a look at that. Uh-huh. And, of course, people were kind of like, you know, traditionally they've been this, they've been this, and I've always kind of been the guy who runs into the fire, not away. Uh-huh. that makes sense? Yep. Like, yep. okay, it's, it, it's, not, it's not set up for me to go win 25, 30 games right away. But man, I can build it because it's like it hasn't been built for a while. It was good for a long time, and for a while it was kind of up and down. There wasn't very much consistency. I can be that consistent person. And then they came along with the job in the building, which wasn't the expectation at first. And then when that came along, it was hard not to look, like put both feet and just take off running with it. Yep. You know, I think that for me, anybody that coaches high school, if you can get a job in the school and it, it works with your income, man, take it. Yeah, and that's probably been the blessing for our turnaround so quickly in the last two years of me being in the school. So that's kind of how I got it. It was kind of cool because Northern, I did an on-court demo for my second interview. Okay. Which now more and more people are doing. And someone who has a minor in speech, I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> you get in the court with some kids. I don't have to wear a shirt and tie for a second time. Yep. And they're like, if you're interested, we'd like to do an in-court demo. I'll be it. Let's do it. Yep. They're like, are you sure? I'm 100% positive. Now, of course, they read my resume. They didn't realize I had a minor in speech. But, like, as a coach, you want to be able to teach. And I can show you how I teach. Yep. Then I can show you, not on a board, but in front of the kids. And some of the kids on the team the last couple, last two years to pay coach. When you walk out of the gym, we told them, that's our coach. Yeah. And that's what you want. The yep. kids want to be able to – the kids are your best recruiters, right? Yep. So I got a chance to do an on-court interview for my second interview, which for any administrators out there that listen to this that want to do an athletic interview, try looking going at that realm for the second interview. Mm-hmm. Really, they really got to see me coach and do some drills. Now, it was only like 35, 40 minutes, but they got to see my energy, how I talk, you know, how I broke drills down, I had a practice plan, all those kind of things. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yep. Awesome. Uh, what uh, you were at the college level, uh, small college level for quite a while. Uh, you came back to the high school level. What were some of kind of the biggest adjustments that you had to make? Obviously, it's it's not the intensity level, even at the small college level, that it is at the high school. It's it's not the same intensity level at the high school level as it is even at the small college level. Uh, so so what were some of the adjustments that you kind of had to make, perhaps in your own philosophy, that, that maybe you did anticipate and maybe were, were some things that you did not anticipate coming into this world? Well, so one of the biggest adjustments you had to make, and I'm really blessed at Northern because we love three sport athletes at Northern. So you got to be able to balance the time between the other sports and yours. Where college basketball, small college, you're training and working with your group all year during the season and in the off season. You have your your team the whole time. 
Yep. Whereas in high school in Michigan, you have certain times of the summer where you can have basketball stuff going on. But then we have a lot of football, baseball, track, cross country, soccer players on my program. So we really got to get the calendar out and balance like, hey, here's when basketball is. Here's when soccer is. In the morning, we're going to have a workout. Then you can go to soccer afterwards. That was probably the biggest thing that my high school coaches, uh, like Ramsey Nichols and Keith Guy, some guys in Michigan have been doing this for a long time, talk, told me right away, like, hey, you come to high school, we're ready to balance the kids' schedules for them and be flexible with other sports so you're not having a kid turn their nose to playing basketball because you are trying to make them specialize or whatever. So I try to get – that was probably the biggest adjustment for me because in small college, you have your team, the minute you get on campus. Yep. Like here's the 15, 16 guys, and that's who you're working with. Where high school, you may have a four-man workout with like two, three guys because there are other guys who are playing football, and you may have four guys who had an off-day from soccer practice. So it's balancing all that. Mm-hmm. What about what about you personally in the sense of, you know, you made the big slide 18 inches over uh, from being an assistant coach uh, for a long time. You were a head coach earlier in your career, but then you were a long-time assistant at, uh, at the like I said, at the small college level. But now you're putting that, that head coach's hat back on. Uh, you know, what, what were some things that you had to also maybe adjust to personally uh, and, and, and things that maybe, you know, you anticipated some things that you did not anticipate as you made that shift over. One of the big shifts was keeping it simple for the kids and my staff. Because at college, you have, you know, synergy and all this access to video and scouting and walkthrough and film session. Going to high school, they've got school all day. And then now they don't want to sit in a room for two hours with a film session. So you've got to be able to balance, you know, your uh, organizational skills and retain, help them retain the information they need. And I don't want to use the word water it down, but make it simpler so you're still getting your message across and they're still learning. You know, because a lot of our a lot of our students on my program, I'm blessed, kind of brag on them. They're in the honors AP type classes, so they're in the hard rigor already. So to really in college, you can have a three hour practice all year long, or a two hour practice in a film session, or bring guys in during the day to break film down and work guys out. So that was probably the biggest adjustment I had to make was be able to to solidify my system and then make it the high school version and not a college version to make sure we can get our message across and not make it overly complicated so the guys still feel like they're learning something and you feel like they're retaining the information. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. When you, uh, you, you know, we were kind of talking off, off, uh, you know, before we got started and, you know, we're getting to that point of year uh, where people are going to start applying for jobs, they're going to start putting stuff out there. Uh, you, you've had the opportunity to, to go through the interview process recently, a couple of years ago. I know uh, when I got my new job, I was just like, Man, I haven't interviewed for 19 years. I feel like I, I'm really bad at this. Uh, and and the interview process is uh, more and more 
complex. Uh, like you said, now there you you had uh, the opportunity, which was good for you to do an on court demonstration and be around the players for for forty five minutes or whatever, and and do some stuff out on the floor. Uh, I I know that I worked really really hard to prepare myself for the interview process. If I did get back into it, uh, but but what what uh, advice would you have for folks that are going to be looking to interview for jobs uh, coming into this this spring season here over the next two or three months? There's there's going to be a lot of movement in our profession, which is which is the way things go every spring. I I would start with you know looking at fit. You know, and looking at the school that's open, try to find out why it's open. You know, you want to be around good people, you know. So, like, if it's a high school job or a college job or whatever that's open every three, four years, you got to try to peel layers back and find out why it's always open. It may not be, it may be something negative. It may be they haven't had the right fit. And then I would try to do as much research on the school and elite as possible and try to find out who your opponents are, you know, if you a couple things, I always ask like, you know, what are a lot? What are we allowed to do here in the summer? What does summer camp look like? What does skill development look like? You know, I would also ask not about. I would never ask about my pay, but I would ask about like the budget. Is there a budget for the basketball program? Is it one big budget? Things like that. Then I prepare for questions to answer about how to do in high school, how to do with parents, how are you going to fundraise, um, what kind of things you look for in a staff. Um, I would start writing that stuff down. And then if you know you're going to interview, you know, I started putting the bugs in my staff's ear, like, right right as I was getting close to finding out if I was going to get an interview or not. Like, hey, this may kick off, and they get this. Are you going to be interested or not? Because you don't want to spend too much time trying to hire a staff because sometimes you might be pulling a staff, a guy off someone else's staff, yeah. or you might be trying to bring somebody back from who's been out of it for a while, and they have to adjust their lives to the time constraints, as you know, of being a high school coach. Like, it's not nine to five. So, like, you pull a guy off of just having a regular job and coaching high school ball with you, like, wife's going to know there's going to be some nights he's going to get home at 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to go home and have that conversation. You know, my freshman coach this year just had a baby during the season. So, as a staff, we had to make that adjustment. You know, happy wife, happy life. So, we had to tell him, like, hey, man, you're not coaching the next couple games after you have the baby. Like, we got your team. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But we knew in advance before he said, coach, I'd love to work with you, but just so you know, we're due in January. Okay, we'll make that adjust. So from the interview standpoint, I would definitely start looking at my staff. I would definitely start having some questions about summer camp and budget. And I would definitely try to get some information on, like, the in college, the AD, um, some other coaches in the department. In high school, I would know the AD, maybe say find out information from teachers, the principal, and maybe you already have a mutual connection, like I did with Coach Andrews, at the school already. And then there might be a coach in the league that may know something about the school that can give you some information. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of want to go, you kind of want to go in the interview process, kind of having a feel for how the interview is going to go. Because I always thought you run the interview as the guy getting interviewed. They don't run the interview. Mm-hmm. Your questions will determine how well you're doing. If you sound like you're not prepared and you're kind of guessing, you can, they kind of get the feel of that. They know, like, hey, and, you know, so you got six seniors to graduate, we've got five sophomores off on the team. Answers like that, it seems you've done your research. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you, uh, did you have a, I guess the probably the best way to describe it, uh, did you have a portfolio or, or, or something prepared to, to show 
the, the the people that you're interviewing with. Here here's my here's my flow chart of here, here's my coach's responsibilities. Here's my uh, here's here's an example of a practice plan, or you know here's a practice plan from early in the season. Here's a practice plan from the middle of the season. Here's a practice plan from late in the season. You know just all of those things. Uh, you know did, did you have something like that prepared? So I had I had that prepared, but I also had. Um, like a, a, a sample scouting report, mm-hmm. uh, a like exam week practice schedule, Christmas break practice schedule, things at a high school that you know an AD and a principal are going to want to know, like you know visions for hosting an event three four years down the line to help generate money for the school and the program. Mm-hmm. I had that in my portfolio, like you know you host those when you have four or five games in a day, yep. you get schools from all the area. I had that as a like it was like it was called the vision board. And on my board, I had like hosting a summer shootout, hosting a summer camp, hosting a summer uh, winter classic, things like that. And in the interview, those were the things that caught their eye because they told me after that none of the candidates had that as, an, as a presentation in the interview process. Mm-hmm. And a lot of X and O's, but I had a lot of community outreach, community, community service, youth camp, junior high stuff in my portfolio. I'm trying to build a program, not just the varsity. Yeah. So that was kind of my selling point. Having all that stuff, it was, all that you said is invaluable, but having like a vision for things that might be outside of the box for a school that's not winning 26, 27 games a year, it can still generate good young men and good young men to come in the program and go on and do good things. Yeah, you know, how, how overrated is X's and O's in the interview process? Uh, I think you got to have an idea with it's you're kind of running and what you want to do, but I've been around for so long and I've ran for everything from dribble drive to flex. I mean, I kind of got to get to know the kids first. Yeah. And that's kind of how I answered it. You know, if I've got three kids that are six nine, we're probably not going to run dribble drive and press the whole game. Yeah. You know, we might look a lot like Kansas, but we throw it in every single time and we play off of that. So if you get asked that question, you kind of got to answer it. Like, you know, the first thing I would do is do some skill stuff to do an evaluation of each player that I think is going to be on the team. And we may base our offense off of that. Mm-hmm. Or just the eye test. Like, well, I don't have a kid over six five. We're probably going to be throwing in the post a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we made, man, we can really shoot it though and spread teams out. You yeah. know, and now the coaches nowadays you're blessed with YouTube. Like I can just type in BYU offense and like thirty clips come. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, not to age myself, but when I first started this, I had I mean championship sports. I they, they I probably owe them. I mean, they probably have some credit card numbers from back in the day. I was just buying stuff left and right just to continue to try to learn because you had to get the DVDs to yep. learn. Krzyzewski's also on. I mean, Tom Izzo, I mean, Tom Izzo is legendary here in the state of Michigan, right? Yep. Everybody and their mom bought that Tom Izzo transition offense DVD. Mm-hmm. Like, I still have it to this day. Nowadays, you can type it in, the whole video is on YouTube. So, I mean, you kind of got to know the kids that you have. And then you one off the one, like, do you want to hang your hat on offense or defense the first couple of years? Well, I, I don't want to date myself too much, but I had the Izzo one as well, but it was on VHS. But we're we're not gonna we're not gonna go we're not gonna go down that road. So. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, it was a good video. I mean, it was a good video though. Yeah. And, yeah. and, real, and real quick, we're I mean we're pretty spoiled here in Michigan. You know, a lot at Michigan it's open practice for high school coaches and time coach Izzo the same way. Like you call their head, get on the list, you can come watch. Yeah. Because they're they're both their philosophy the same. We we're on TV forty five times a year. Like, if Nebraska wants to sneak you over, or Iowa wants to sneak you over, and Michigan wants to practice, like, just turn on chance. Just turn on CBS at 1 o'clock one day. We'll be on there. So, just, you know, yeah. it's kind of nice to be blessed in Michigan to have two Division One schools that pretty much allow us to come to practice whenever we want. I, I don't know. 
I, I, I'm very confident. I've never been turned turned down to go into somebody else's practice. Um, no, you know, whether it's high school, college, whatever it may be, you know, and, and I think that for young coaches, I think that's really, really good. Uh, if, if you're a, if you're a 22, 23 year old kid, uh, now I refer to them as kids cause that's how old my kids are. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but you, uh, Hey, I, I want to go see, I want to go see, uh, you know, uh, TJ Otzenberger at Iowa state. Hey, call him up. He's probably going to let you in. You know, yeah. um, now there may be situations, Hey, we're getting ready to play at Oklahoma tomorrow. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to be a little bit distracted, you know, you can come in, but we're not gonna have a chance to talk to you or this, that, or the other, but very rarely are you turned down by people. And, and I think that's one of the great things about the coaching community is, is, is that type of stuff. Yeah. When I was younger, I was taught you get you work as many camps as possible. And if you got sleep in your car and you get as many college coaches, as many college practices as you can, and don't limit yourself to one guy to go to Division One. So I used to, I mean, I went to Lake Forest, Illinois, University of Chicago in Chicago. I went to the fall and down in Indianapolis, down in Indiana. Like, you got to see as much basketball as possible to help. You're always trying to learn, right? And mm-hmm. some of it's gas money. Yeah. You know, if you really want to get into it, if you really want to be a doctor or a scientist, you better spend time in the lab. Yeah. And that's what I was taught. If you want to do this, you're going to miss some family vacations and some summer hangouts with the boys, golf trips, because, you know, I know how many times my guys have been, hey, we're going to dinner. Well, I got to finish watching film and I'll meet you guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Big surprise. Yeah. Hey, White's got to, Kevin's got to finish watching tape for a game he doesn't play for for four weeks. So he gets, <laughs> like, so there's a way you got to understand and your family's got to be okay with your commitment and your dedication to it because if you have a passion for something, you should want to learn as much as possible. You know, like I told you earlier, the, the gentleman you had on who coaches in Iowa and works I don't know. I think it was in the farming world somewhere. Just, I had four or five questions for you, for him, just to learn from him how he balances his time. Just trying to learn as much as possible. You know, I thought that was awesome. Well, I'll uh, I'll give you his number when we're all done here, and and you can yeah. you can bounce them off of him. So for sure, uh, let's talk a little bit about camps. You you had the privilege to work five star, uh, yeah. and. Uh, you know, you you've organized your your own camp, uh, Camp Daryl Basketball Academy. Uh, tell us a little bit about those, Kevin. So, five star basketball camp. I was a young camp. I was a young camper at Camp Five Star, and as a camper, I got to meet Howard Darfinkel. Oh wow! He said, you know, he said, you know, anybody that wants to work at camp, as a former camper, we have some slots available next year for you guys who are going to be getting out of high school. So I just said, hey, you know, I can drive out here. That's probably all I can afford. And he said, well, you can get out here to work. We'll take care of everything else. So I got to, now I was a gopher now. I wasn't doing much. I was doing station 15. There was 14 stations and then station 15. <laughs> station 15 was the ball handling station outside in the parking lot in Pennsylvania in July. So I'll let your imagination run with that. I was not, I was not with John Calipari in the AC arena, Robert Morris College. I was, now some of the guys that were at station 15, were some of the best guards in the country at the time coming out, not to name any names, please don't top my head, but like Stefan Marbury was a big station 15 guy. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have a game when the games were going on, you went to station 15 and all of us young coaches ran station 15. Well, the leader of station 15 was Brad Stevens at the time. We were all supposed to follow this young guy around and do all the drills he was doing. So, and then the Camp Daryl basketball academy was started by Daryl Matthews, one of my mentors. And he is based out of Calumet, Michigan, and he formulated this group that we turned into a travel organization. And we travel all over the Midwest and South, and we had all these kids that were able to 
have an opportunity to play in Southwest Michigan that got to go on and play all over the place. And it was a, it's still going on now. Um, and he's done an amazing job. He, we hosted on tournaments for years. It was great for the Kalamazoo area because it was consistent, legitimate, in it for the kids organization that got a lot of people involved that would, would not have had the opportunity to do that. So Camp Darrell changed a lot of kids' lives. Actually, when my assistant had assistant varsity coach with me, I coached him at Camp Darrell. Okay. He's now my assistant coach. Wow. So complete, complete full circle moment. I mean, there's, I mean, Travis Bader, if you look him up, played at Oakland University, wrote JJ Records all three time point percentage a long time ago. Travis was a Camp Darrell kid back in the day from Okemos High School in Okemos, Michigan. So, I mean, Daryl is still doing an amazing job to this day. Uh, and that's where I got my, you know, camp, you know, basketball, X and O. That's where I got started with doing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're taking over a program there. Uh, year before that you, you took over, it was, it was a rough go. Uh, right now, I, I believe the, I, I checked max preps and you guys are at 11 and 10 right now, which is a pretty drastic improvement over, over the last two years. Uh, you, you knew you were taking over a rebuild, um, and, and it was going to take some time. Uh, you know, as you, as you got into this coach, uh, you know, what was the blueprint? What were the things, what were the, you, you can't, you can't fix everything all at once. Um, and obviously the easiest way to, to, to rebuild is to get really, really good players. Uh, we all know that, but, uh, as you looked at the situation, what were some of the things that, that you went after that you decided the, these are going to be my top two or three priorities that, that we're going to put into place to, to set ourselves up for success, uh, in the long run here. The, the first thing I did was recruit the hallways. Mm-hmm. There was uh, there's a young man named Jackson Altweiss who's going to Air Force to play defensive tackle, who was not playing basketball as a sophomore, who now will be he's a senior captain for me uh-huh. at 6'6", 245, 50 pounds. So that made a change. We had a young man named Jaden Walker who's going to USC to play linebacker. Uh, he was a basketball some of the time young man when I got hired, and now he's a starter for us, and he's going to probably have a chance to really help us down the stretch here. Um, um, that he did a great job for us as a senior. Those two young men were, I had to recruit the hallways and be okay with them missing basketball for football. And as you know, in the day and age, some of these high school coaches, you got to, no, 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 you can't miss any basketball for football. You got to be here. You know, we got some freshmen and sophomores who we were working with who play other sports. And part of the blueprint to change the program was not to be the sport that we just play in our downtime, but be the sport I'm also committed to on playing my other sports. So at our high school, we don't, we really support the boys playing other sports, but have enough respect for each other to let them focus on their sport during the season unless it overlaps. So like all my baseball kids, they're starting to throw in stuff because it's January. They go on Saturday and Sunday afternoons and throw when we don't have practice. Yep. And I'm okay with that. It's not during basketball time. Now they know during people practice three to five on a Monday, they're not going to the cage to hit. Baseball coach and I have an understanding. So I think our turnaround win-wise started with that process right there. Getting all the coaches in the room that we're going to work with and us having a man-to-man conversation about sharing athletes and be okay with having some give and take and letting the boys see that. You know, because young adults right now are very intuitive. They pay attention. They listen yep. for the most part. Like they can't. Uh, baseball is taking on the players. The football runs everything. No, and then going to support each other. I mean, I stood out in March last year in the nice wintery Michigan cold and watched my kids play baseball because I knew it was the right thing to do to help my program. You know, once we started doing that 
and support each other, being at football games on Friday nights, which everybody does anyway. And kids started to see, okay, all these coaches are getting along, and it's all working together. And then we started to do stuff in the summer. You know, we had a whole summer last year. I got hired in May two years ago. This year in June, we went to eight events in 30 days. You know, we were on the road a lot. You know, we played some really good competition. You know, our first seven opponents in June are the top six, seven teams in the state right now in Division One. We lost to them all, but it's fine. We have to play against them and see where we're at. And for them, it was also the experience of getting them on college campuses. I don't want to push college on my athletes, but I want to say that's out there. Now, some guys have never been on a college campus before and seen like what it's really like. So that was part of the blueprint, those two things. Recruiting the hallways and getting having a gym for us was huge. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Coach, at this time, we, uh, we're we going to shift it here. Uh, we're going to talk a little John Wooden, if you don't mind that. Oh, perfect. All right, all right. Uh, the John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, now, uh, truth be told, uh, usually I take my quote out of uh, Wooden, a lifetime of observations. Uh, okay. But it's up at school. And I prepared for everything uh, at home, and and so I had to do a little uh, internet research. So this I don't have a page number, uh, but I know this is a wooden quote, but I, because I've heard it before, um, but it's from one of his books. So I, I can't officially give it credit to Wooden a lifetime of observation, but it is a John Wooden quote of the day. So I'm going to read you this quote, let you think about it a little bit, and and let's let's uh, let's uh, chop it up a little bit. Sound good? Okay. Yes. All right. So. Uh, The John Wooden quote of the day is, the telephone operator and all others who may perform less important, air quotes, tasks will not feel important unless you, the leader, teach them that they are as valued and explain how their contribution helps the company as a whole. Individuals who feel they don't matter will perform their jobs as if they don't count. So that's a spin off the Jay Wright quote from Villanova. That not everybody's role is the same, but everybody's role matters. Yep. And that's that came up in our locker room. I'm, I'm a, so I'm a big quote guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm blessed to have a connection to have signs. And I'll send you a picture tomorrow of our team room. And I've got quotes from, and of course, being a Michigan guy, I got some bullshit like quotes up there and stuff like that from time ago. But I love that quote because even in our program, I want our freshmen to feel as important as our varsity. Yeah. So, like, they don't get the lesser of stuff. They just make it different stuff. Yeah. So, like, we have travel suits for our varsity, but our freshman JV still gets hoodies and, and sweats to wear on game day. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, yeah. So, looking, that's what, when I look at that quote, like, yeah, I'm in the program, but I'm really not in the program, so I'm a senior or a junior. Like, no, you're responsible for all your actions and behavior because we're counting on you, even on the sub varsity teams, to carry your weight and do, your, do the best of your ability in, on and off the court. I think that's why John Wooden was John Wooden. I mean, he probably made the 16th man feel as important as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, and everyone had the same standards. Yeah, and and I think that's, 
you know, especially the further you get into the season, sometimes we get pretty myopic as as the varsity head coach. Uh, and I've, and I probably did this when I was a younger coach where you got, get locked in on your top seven to nine kids and you, you don't do as good a job of making, uh, your JV kids feel as valued or whatever it may be. And I, and I think that's, that's so very important for the overall health of your program. Uh, the, the varsity coach has to, to carry that, that torch of making everybody feel good about themselves. You know, Bill Walsh, when he was with the 49ers, he would go around and talk to the secretaries and, and talk to them about how he wanted them to do their jobs and, and, and all those different things. And, and, and that is something that I've really, as I've gotten, uh, we, we don't, we don't use the O word, Kevin, we use seasoned and experienced on the podcast mm-hmm. here. So as I've become more seasoned and experienced, uh, you know, I, I work really, really hard to give those emotional deposits uh, to my JV level players, to my freshman level players, because I, I do want them to know how much I do truly, truly care about each and every one of them and that they're uh, they're not getting the credit in the paper. They're not getting the credit on Friday nights. But boy, without them. Uh, we don't stand a chance. And, and at some point, hopefully it's going to be them that's going to be in that situation. And I want them to feel good about that and to be able to you know, pass that down to the younger kids that are going to be coming through as well and that they can teach them that, yeah, you know, Coach Plum cares about everybody. And I think that's really important that you have that within your program. And one thing I started doing this year, I made an in-season adjustment because we have two separate gyms. So our freshman and JV practice in our uh, gym called the Doghouse, mm-hmm. and we're we're in the igloo. That's why we're called the Huskies. Yep. Kind of on words there, but I started bringing the JVs up with us like one day a week just to practice all together. I said, you know, I'm really not seeing these kids very much, and I said, let me just. What's it going to hurt for us? And maybe not, I'm not talking five on five, but like we don't. It's Wednesday. We don't play the next Tuesday. We're going to have a skill day with both teams. We're going to go through our post stuff, one in guards and one in half court offense, five on zero. Oh. And I started to watch my upperclassmen. They started stopping the drills and teaching my JV. And I go, okay, culture shift is starting to turn. Coach, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grabbing the sophomore freshman. Hey, when you drop step, remember, you got to chin and check. You got to do this. Well, I don't know what that means. Okay, come up inside so I can show you. Mm-hmm. So now I got the players coaching the younger guys. And I get to watch that. And then watching the JV kids go down with the freshmen and start teaching them. And then that's when we made the shift this year, doing it at practice like once a week is having the JVs practice with us so I could all the coaches on the varsity staff could see them and the JV coach could see the varsity guys who we just had. So it kind of really helped us with the player development and X and O's and game planning and that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, coach, let's get into your philosophy a little bit here. Uh, okay. Let's let's talk, uh, let's let's get into the basketball nerd side of things here. So uh, let's, let's go a little bit of a transition offense. Uh, you know, uh, and at this point, you know what? What I tell a lot of our guests is, I'm just going to sit back and kind of let you cook here a little bit. And okay. w- when I have a question, I will I will politely uh, try to interrupt you. Uh, but uh, just you know, what's your philosophy? What do you like to do? Uh, what are some drills uh, that you that you put together to to put your transition offensive philosophy into play? And uh, you know, how much time do you spend on it in practice? When do you usually do it? I mean, just kind of, just kind of go from there. And like I said, I'll, I'll probably interrupt you at some point. I'll try to do it as nicely as I possibly can. Uh, but uh, tell tell us a little bit about your transition offensive philosophy. Well, we, that's our that's usually our pre, that's how you just start our practice our warm up. Uh, I, again, I mentioned before I'm I'm spoiled to have Tom Izzo an hour and ten minutes from our high school, so his his numbered break. 
we have used in the past. Um, I've gotten rid of the numbers because I traditionally won't have a center because I have uh, more than two different parts. So um, we use a uh, free throw break, 5 on 0 using start practice. Um, and we go down and back. One of the things we have is we have side street. So the ball gets outlet on the left side. We look on the same side and try to hit him down the lane for a layup. We have downtown, which is the post player or big running down the middle of the road, uh, rim to rim. And then we have cross town, which we get the ball trying to look back side street, mid to, mid downtown and get the ball across the lane and skip it across the floor and die real fast to, to the wing run the other way. Then we have the, the ball screen action out of when it's slow out. So we get it on the court. We don't have those three options. The guy who took it out comes with a drag ball screen and then we get into our half-court offense that way. Uh-huh. So I admit, if you come watch us play, you know, they'll huddle up and they'll go, you know, side street or cross town. And right away in the free throw break, they're going to try to go to that right now. We try to get the ball as fast as possible. Again, barring it from Michigan State, um, try to get as less dribbles as possible and try to get the point guard to get it on the 45 and get going. Throw it on the floor and not pass that. Tell the point guard, it's okay in the beginning of the game to get a pass knocked out of bounds because they're sprinting back trying to steal it. Mm-hmm. It's not okay to get it turned over kind of dribble through three guys to make a two-foot pass. Yep. So yes, are long passes bad at some point? Yes. But sometimes, in the beginning of the game, I want to hear the opposing coach yell, you got to get back. You yep. got to get back. Yep. That tells me the bus ride over, the pregame talk, and get sports brother in transition, you better get back because they are going on a free throw or on a made basket. Yep. So you want to apply pressure by running, and then I'm not a big proponent of running. Get on the baseline and run. Let's do basketball same drills full court where we have to run. Yep. So then we'll be in shape. Yep. Yep. What are what are some of your uh, favorite transition drills that you guys like to run within your program? Uh, three on two, two on one's always been a staple of mine. Um, and there's the uh, two on one, three on two, four on four, and five on five. But I call it the Memphis drill because when Coach Cal was at Memphis. I had that DVD, not to date myself, but I borrowed <laughs> that one. He had, he had Derek Rose and the boys. It's, it's, um, it's, it's not on Laserdisc, you know, so no, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that transition is really easy to do, and it forces communication. And then one that probably everyone kind of does, I call it get-back drill. Five guys across the free throw line extended, five guys on the baseline. Yep. You throw it to somebody. Now, we layer it. Sometimes we'll send three. Sometimes we'll send two. Sometimes we'll send one. Um, sometimes we'll just call it a name. Um, sometimes we'll circle them up and do what we call around the world or do si do during the circle. And I'll call it orange. And orange has got to get back and white takes it and tries to go play as fast as possible. Uh-huh. Um, and then sometimes we'll do that drill and not have out of bounds. That makes things kind of fun. Yeah. So um, we try to, we, I don't want chaos, but I want them to be able to handle pressure and be able to play on the move. Because basketball is not a standstill game. So can you catch it? Catching the run, jump stop and pass it, or catch it on the run and make another, another pass while catching the dribble, or sprint the floor and catch it and lay it up without having to take a dribble. You know, of course, we have penalties for missed layups and those kind of things, but those are some of the drills we like to do. I'm trying to have one or two of those every day when I'm practice planning, no matter who we're playing, because you're going to get a couple transition opportunities in every game. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just you're just going to. Yeah. You know? And I try to, I, I, I'm blessed to still have some coaching the college rules we'll have some synergy access so my guys are kind of school where i can clip and show them five minutes of good transition like right now you can pick a college team that's really good in transition i can find it and show it to my guys we have a very visual 
generation right now between the ages of 14 to 18. They're, they're watching everything. So I've learned to adjust my teaching instead of having them just be talking. I have videos for them to watch. We use the Google Classroom and some other things, and I can pull things up so they can see, like, how it's supposed to look and try to mimic that so they can see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, the the adjustments that you have to make as a teacher, and, and I've been in education, I think this is year 26, 7, something, I don't know. Again, seasoned and experienced. Uh, but... Uh, you know, just the the way that I teach is so much different now than it was when I started. And and I think this year we probably showed more film with our team this year than we than we ever have. Uh, just because it seems like they were able to digest it and apply it uh, so much better than 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 teams were able to ten or fifteen years ago. And again, it's just the way that their brains work. I think, and and that's. And so we can't get caught up into, well, this is what we did 10 years ago. If you're doing what you did 10 years ago, you're probably up a creek without a paddle, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kids are kind of looking at you like, you don't have the, you don't have the video copy of this? <laughs> you know, like having, having huddle and being able to hold boys, my boys accountable with like, hey, come here. You know, you watched three hours of film this week. So before you have your dad email the principal about your playing time, let's make sure he knows you've watched three hours of film this week. Because you know I'm checking. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 okay, coach. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it. Like now, there's some accountability to that, you know. And then, like the film sessions, you can make them shorter and get right to the point. If you can dabble into it, you know, anybody has an opportunity to get a hold of the people at Huddle or whatever crossover, whatever you guys use for film, and learn how to break it down and make clips. I had I got blessed to have someone come teach me. My film sessions are no longer than 20 minutes, and now it's yeah. you can tell the boys you're happier, and it's saved. They can go back and watch it. You know, and it's not long and drawn out. Because, again, in high school, they are in school all day. Yeah. You can't have the one. The guy was blessed in college. Like, you had a break from 10 to 12. Well, hey, grab your lunch, come to my office, let's watch film together, then before you go to your next class. Yep. Well, high school, you can't really do that because they're in class all day. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Film is, film is not going away. You know, I think it's, it's kind of here to stay. Yeah. We, we did something a little different this year where – uh, I had a bigger staff than I've had, uh, and I gave each one of my coaches about six or seven teams, and their job, and again, this is me getting smarter as I get more seasoned and experienced, uh, but they were responsible, okay, we're getting ready to play Syracuse. All right, Coach DeRoe, you're in charge of Syracuse, and you've got to you know, put together a good 12 to 15 clip uh, thing uh, on Syracuse here. And here's what we got, and let's go. And and then I and then what I did was I would sit in the back of the room and I would let them lead those film sessions as well. Yeah. I, I would I would chime in a little bit, but you know ninety percent of what was said during our film sessions, where where which were no longer than ten minutes, it was my assistant coaches, and it and it helped them lead, it helped them find their voice, and uh, I, I think it was really good for our kids. Yeah, I, 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 so we have, I break it down like we did in college. Every, every coach has a, has a scout, and I take two or three, but then if you have the same team twice, you can come on the back end. Yep. And then uh, every coach has a voice in the pregame talk, and then every, the first 10 seconds of a timeout, um, I have a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator because I was a football coach at first by trade. So I have one assistant coach in the varsity just in charge of defense, and one that helps me with the offense, but also in charge of offense. And then I have a specialty coach who's also an offensive guy who helps me with blobs and slobs. So 
we kind of break it down like in a timeout. We're not getting any stops. Like the defensive coach kind of knows, like, hey, you guys start closing out. We're gonna start doing this on ball screens. Hey, we're gonna do this in the next possession. You know, he's hit four threes. We have to curry him now instead of rondo him. And it kind of gets. I have a couple of young coaches who want to be in my seat, and I got to this opportunity because I had head coach who gave me some leeway and some ground to grow and learn and speak to the team and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just making them keep stats, they're not going to want to keep staying around for very long. Let's be honest. You're not paying them millions of dollars. So we need to get us find a way to let them get engaged and those kind of things. So it's been really helpful. And I kind of told my story like, hey, like when it was my turn for a scout, not saying you got to do this, but I made sure it was really good. Yeah. I want to make sure that the head coach sees I'm working hard. So I'm just, I know it's not, I'm not saying this is college, but like, don't come in with like one paragraph and like that's it. Yeah, like do your do your research. Well, one one of my coaches this year was my son, so he didn't have a choice. He'd be sleeping outside if he didn't do his job. So uh, you know, well, but. I mean, if you get rid of him, he's available once come to Michigan. You have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of lakes in Michigan. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm always recruiting, coach. I'm always recruiting. <laughs> uh, it's uh, you know, it's uh, we'll we'll see about that one. Uh, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see about that one. So. Yeah, he did a terrific job. I, I I got a great staff. I love the balance that we have with our staff. Um, you know, I, I just can't say enough. Uh, and again, again, starting to the, the the initial burn of the season is uh, the season ending is is mm-hmm. over. Uh, starting starting to 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 get better. Uh, yeah. Got to go to school tomorrow, which is going to be hard. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in a few days, it, it'll really sink in, uh, what we've been able to do. And, and, uh, my, you know, my, my, my kids deserve 99.9% of the credit. I, you know, they're the ones that are putting the ball in the basket and, and rebounding and playing defense and, and doing all of those things. And, and, uh, you know, they, they did a really nice job this year and I'm really proud of them. Uh, you know, so. You know, I, I I think that we've got things moving in a really really good direction, and hopefully we can just kind of keep it going. You know, that's that's the most important thing. So, and that's awesome. And the, and the newcomers will learn right away when you're when you're in the locker room. They don't know you're listening, and you have a, you have a harder time because you have females. But like I've learned with my group, like golf class, and they're starting to say what I'm saying when I'm not around. We have this mantra called "Sweep the Sheds." We stole it from the New Zealand rugby team. The whole all athletic department uses it. Yep. Just clean up the lock, clean up the locker room after practice, after games. You know, you hear the guy saying, "Hey, before you leave, make sure you sweep the sheds." You know, early is on time, and you're just like, "Oh, you guys are listening to me when I'm talking." <laughs> you know, it, is, it is working. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, like our senior, our seniors talking to our freshmen, like, "Hey, you know, getting off the bus. Hey, make sure you sweep the sheds." Yeah. Hey, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Leaving away game or clean up the bench after games like i want my players to leave my program and help be better people in society not all of them are going to play college basketball but i want them to come back and be like hey coach i see why we had five in workouts before school i had to fire a guy because he was always late last week mm-hmm. and i kept thinking about man in high school but i was late as this guy was coach white when he ran my butt yeah. <laughs> like that's the kind of culture i'm trying to build here at Port Northern. like yeah. i want my players to go on and understand why we do certain things you know and we don't do it as a penalty, you do it to learn life lessons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's you have the the pain of discipline and the pain of regret, mm-hmm. and yep. and uh, you have to. That that's what you have to do. Uh, and and I always tell the kids, 
uh, and and we we had very little stuff to deal with this season. But you know, every team has stuff. I don't care. I don't care if you're if you're the Boston Celtics and you're on top of the world right now in the NBA. Uh, you, you're, you're dealing with stuff. Uh, so every team has stuff, and and I think that's something that uh, especially young coaches don't realize is there's there's stuff with every team. Golden State Warriors, Golden State Warriors got some stuff right now. Oh, and Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson, I can either paddle or go out and score thirty five points off the bench. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I, I don't think enough young people because it, it it resonated with me. I'm thinking, man, talk about resilience. Like this guy's probably gonna be a Hall of Famer, and I hope every person plays. I'm gonna play that clip for my team tomorrow. And this isn't about his playing time. It was his response. Like, okay, Coach Kerr, I hear you. I'll come off the bench. That's fine. But watch this. Yeah. Not body language and pouting or high school email and the AD to get the coach fired. Like, no, I understand what's better for the team is be coming off the bench. You think that. Now watch this. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And, and that's yeah. – and those are such great. It's it's the lesson of sport, and yeah. you know, the the thing that I think we, I I think the biggest difference that I have seen, the biggest change that I have personally seen since I got into this, uh, is the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? When 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 people look at the, the high school experience as this is the stepping stone to my next level thing instead of just being in the moment and doing this for North Portage High, uh, uh, you know, that type of thing. I, I think sometimes that has been kind of lost in translation, that we've, we've put so much value on the AAU experience. And I'm not saying the AAU is bad. AAU overall is a good thing because it helps players get better and people are willing to put in time to, to do it. Uh, but, you know, just being where your feet are, I think we've yeah. kind of lost track of that. And, and I think we, we need to, I, I think that the, the best programs, they, they try to keep the focus on the here and now and not next year or who's going to be recruiting me or who am I going to play for this summer or, you know, what schools are you going to help me get recruited to or anything like that. And I think that's, uh, I, I think that's the biggest change in things that I've seen in, in my career. Well, I think, I think, like, at Quarters Northern, I don't think, I think our kids understand you get yourself recruited. Yeah. I can get you recruited. And then, you know, I've been doing this long enough now where I know every travel team in Michigan and probably in Ohio, which is fine. But, like, they're going to know who you are. We have this thing called social media now. And I I will retweet and repost. I tell the guys, any video, highlight video you want to make of yourself where you do the legwork and you post it yourself, yep. I will retweet and post all that. Now, will I make a video for you? No, because I need to make a video for all 15 players. Yeah. So I, I will help self-support you. If you do the legwork, and if you the coach calls me, I will first talk about character, academics, and athletics in that order, and I'll invite them to come to practice. Um, we have, have a young man in Gregory Practice, practice Gregory Practice, excuse me, that's going to be a, a Division One lineman. Um, he, I've had Ohio State, Nebraska, Oklahoma, been in my gym at practice. Yeah, he's not going to play college basketball. He's going to college football. I've had some of the biggest old linemen in the country, line coaches, come to practice in support of him. I could easily be like, no, they can't. It's not football. Yeah. Basketball, you can't come. I'm the opposite. You know, hey, coach, I got a, you know, I got this going on. I got this. Yep, let's work around that. Yep. But I'm not, I can't get you recruited. Mm-hmm. There's, there's amazing players all over the country right now. Heck, look at St. Mary's out in the West Coast and Gonzaga. 
they're going to Australia again. Yeah. So don't think that you've got to, all the boxes have to be checked. You know, I mean, what kind of your character, your grades, and then probably the basketball part. Yeah. Especially for young guys. You know, you don't have to have 15 offers. You need one. Yeah. You've got one. Yeah. There's only a handful of guys getting 16, 17 offers right now. Yeah. There's like there's 30 guys, right? And like nowadays with turnover, like, unfortunately, the coach of Ohio State, He's no longer the coach there, and they they beat Purdue today. Yes, like yeah. what's going on? Like <laughs> it wasn't him, but like he got fired, and the Paul coach got fired in the middle of the season. And that was one of the things when I was talking with my significant other. Like you know, we're kind of a steady, systematic family. We want our kids to be grounded, and not be moving every three, four years. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of like the school system they're in. You know, the church we go to. There's some things in our in the, living where we live. We kind of like it. Yeah. You know? You take a college job and you lose. I'm uprooting my family again. I don't know. If, I didn't know if I wanted to do that. Yeah. You know. Sometimes people go, oh, high school basketball. No, you can. You do it right. You can feel like a, a college, small college experience. Absolutely. And you still get your, your summers off, and you still get some. Like night right now, I'd have been like 74 high school games. So I'm still coaching small college. Yeah. Plus, plus the games that you're coaching in. Uh, son's birthday was on a Saturday. Probably not going to be around that day. Yeah. Because I'd have had a game. Yeah, you know. So, and now that I'm the head coach, I'm in charge of the schedule. Sometimes they go in the morning. <laughs> sometimes they go after school. Sometimes they give them the day off. Like I, I'm blessed to be like, no, we're not going today. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I feel like, like you got to balance that. Yeah, yeah. Back to the main point. Like I just think people got to stay grounded in who they are. I yep. get that's what. What kind of person do you want your players to know you as? Yeah, yep. you're all about recruiting and scholarships, or are you all about like, hey, when you need a job ten years from now. You can still call me. I'll pick up the phone and help you out. Because you're not going to, not everyone's going to play college sports. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching. And during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, Strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach, let's wrap up on this. Uh, let's talk about some of your favorite drills, uh, some of the stuff that, that you like to run in practice. Uh, let, let's, I, I always call this, uh, the, the and, and I thought of this when I was on my sabbatical, uh, if, if I'm stuck on a, you know, if the basketball gods have put me on a desert island and I, I only have five drills that I can run, for the rest of my career, you can run any drill you want, but you can only pick five, and it's got to be the five best drills that you have in your repertoire to develop your team. Uh, what would be Coach White's five desert island drills? Well, the first one would be the Memphis drill that I thought from Coach Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two, three on two, two on one, all the way to five on five. Then it would be the Windsor drill that I, that I borrowed. I like to use the word borrow, not steal. I'm not a good coach. I'm a good borrower. Uh, University of Windsor in Canada, they set up this drill called the Windsor drill. It's a disadvantage drill, but it's in the half court. It teaches defensive rotation. We do that one often 
we do that one a, a whole lot. Uh, How's it work? Ones, so basically you have two cones. Your offensive player starts going away from the basket. He goes around the inside cone. The guy guarding goes around the outside cone. Yep. And he drives and attacks the three defensive players four on three. Mm-hmm. So wherever the pass goes, they've got to rotate. And the guy guarding the ball got to go guard someone else. It would be a great one to show you one, to get on a Zoom call and show you in person. It's a great drill to teach A, rotation, B, closeout, and three rebounding and not in your area. Because when that shot goes up, you may have to run across the lane and go box that person out because that's the person you're supposed to be guarding. And it's really helped our defensive philosophy and it's helped our talking. Every coach you talk to in the podcast, you should ask, how much do you emphasize talking on your team? And then go, they'll go, oh, we really do, really do. And you think about it, we really emphasize talking, but my team is still not very good at it. <laughs> It's a, you know, I, I always ask my kids, you know, we, we do the, uh, the Don Meyer one minute assessment, uh, once or twice a practice. All right. What's, what's one, what's one or two things that we're doing really well right now? And they'll say, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'll say, all right. Okay. What's one thing we want to get better at in this next segment? Well, communication. We're like, okay, it's always going to be communication. We can always communicate better. Something other than communication. And, and I think that, yeah, that's the one thing that you could never be satisfied with is, is your communication on your team. Yeah. Now, we run the Zoom offense, too. So our 3-on-0, 4-on-0, half-court, we call it Zoom attack, where we put people in different spots and get them going and moving and set the screens and looking at all the reads. And then we do 3-on-4 Zoom attack, where there's three defenders and four offensive players. Excuse me, and they have to read and find the open man. So I like to do a lot of dis- – if I was on the desert island, I would come with as many disadvantage drills as possible. And I borrowed that from one of my old head coaches at Cape College, James Smith, who's now uh, at University of Michigan. We do a lot of disadvantage drills. It puts a lot of de- emphasis on the offense and the defense, and it helps teach shot selection. Like mm-hmm. the one more. How often you talk to your girls about the one more pass? Yep. Oh, yeah, all the time. Much. In five-on-five, five, you don't get very much one more. It could be covered up. Now, if you try three-on-four, you better be looking for the one more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what's going to be wide open. So I think for our team, we talk about the one more, but they see it because they know it's open because it's an advantage. So mm-hmm. those would be some of the drills I would definitely use. Okay, awesome, great stuff, great stuff, uh, Kevin. It's 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 been a privilege here. Uh, if, if folks want to know more about you, about uh, your program, anything like that, what are some ways that they can find that out? Oh, best thing to do. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm seasoned. Don't you said seasoned? Seasoned and uh, experienced. That's the verbiage we use. Yep. So I'm still going to go with uh, PN Hoops nine zero eight seven at gmail dot com. Um, and then KQ underscore white at Twitter. I'm not calling it X. I'm seasoned. I'm calling it Twitter still. <laughs> um, and the Q, real quick, side story. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. How'd that come about? And so uh, my parents, uh, Damon and Sheila, had a quarter when I, my, we were walking to the hospital. It was either going to be Quentin, Kevin White, or Kevin Quentin White. So as you can tell, it was heads, so it's Kevin Quentin White. That's how I got my name. Gotcha. Um, they were down to two names, and uh, my mom was much of a decision maker. Um, more like my dad, just making a decision. So we put out a quarter and flipped it. And I guess people in the hospital were like, are they really flipping a quarter from the dude's name right now? <laughs> like, they have this planned already? So I kind of love telling that story because every now and then you got to leave up the fate, right? So I love using the Q when I use things because it's kind of a, a unique letter in our alphabet. And Absolutely. It kind of stands out. So because my last name, you know, if I'm in any, any kind of order, I'm always last, being a W. Yep. So I kind of throw the Q in there maybe every now and then. Sometimes I just put Kevin KQ down 
So we talk about the end when we're getting deliveries and stuff. Because I put white, it's like I'm always the last guy to get something. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that'd be the two best ways. And like you did, like the best ways to DM me. Uh, I learn a lot. And I'm on Twitter X, or whatever you call it nowadays. I'm on that a lot. Just because it's just, it's just really basketball stuff. And if anyone wants to follow me and ask questions or get video of my practice and stuff, I'm kind of an open book. Because last thing, somebody did it for me. You know what I mean? Like I got into this because yep. my high school coach and Daryl Matthews and all the people I listen like you probably saw my list of names you're probably like whoa I still talk to all those people I'm big on the phone yep like I like my good friend Cam Nichols who runs Mitten Recruit here in Michigan like he's like Kevin White is the only guy I know who can make 15 phone calls in an hour and know all those people I can talk to every day <laughs> it's because I want to be able to learn and talk to people as much as possible mm-hmm. and sometimes you gotta do this you gotta get on the phone and learn stuff from people and ask questions because my program is nowhere near the uh, mountaintop yet, but if I continue to get help from the people like yourself, the people I learn from, we'll get there bit by bit every single day. We'll get a little bit better every single day. That's all you can do, my man, is just get 1% better every day. I mean, that's the that's the siren that's the siren song, isn't it? You know, so yeah. um, especially when you're rebuilding a program, you know, you can't uh, you got to think of ways to measure your success other than what the scoreboard is going to tell you. And uh, be- because if you do that, then, then then the kids get discouraged. And so you've got to find other ways to, to to make that happen. And I know that's something that I really uh, emphasize, and we still do it today. We, we talk very little about winning and losing. Uh, it's just, hey, let's get 1% better every day. And, and like you were saying, um, you know, uh, the, the kids went – you're very much correct, Kevin. When when the kids start saying things in the same way that you say it, you know that they've bought into the culture and the uh, the the identity of the program that you're trying to build. And and so when 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 they start saying, "Hey, let's get one percent better here today," uh, "Hey, it's us against the world," "It's it's this that or the other," you know, some of the buzzwords that we use this where this year, uh, yeah. you know, you you know, you got your kids on your side and, and you know that they they're seeing a lot of the same things that you're seeing hopefully. And it's like with my, my parents and they're coming through the program now are like, so in June we probably shouldn't plan a vacation. I was like, ah, no. I was like, yeah, we heard from the senior parents that last June was a pretty bad time to take the family to the lake. I was like, no, July and August will be great, but in June Husky basketball, we're on the vans, we're in the road. Like, okay. And yeah. it's no longer like, do we have to? Is it mandatory? It's like, okay, sounds good. Like they're seeing the fruits of having a summer yeah, and what that looks like, and what's the best opportunity for your boy to make a team is being on the summertime. Like we're not that far in age. We were in the gym in the summer playing, yeah. growing up. If not our gym, someone else's gym. Yeah, we found ways to get in the gym, and I'm going to stick to that as long as I'm coaching. It's kind of a seasoned way to think about it, but like let's get back to that. We got these shooting machines and shoot away all these machines. Like they're sitting in these eighties, just spending all these money in these guns and shooting machines in the summer, not getting used. Well. I can miss my AD to buy me two. So I know right now in June, you better walk in and see a beat you. <laughs> <laughs> let's, 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 uh, let's break this thing down. Let's break it down so he's got to buy another one here in a couple of years. How about that? So. And he goes, he go, that's why I, I said, hey, I'm going to try to get you to be a third one. He goes, well, you, let's break in the first two. And I'm breaking <laughs> one of them before. But he, again, my AD, Mr. Riker, like, he sees the vision. Like, yep. Okay. And there's days when he walks in and we got both of them out and we're getting shots up. Yep. You know, you can't ask for expensive equipment just put it in a closet and say we have it. Like, and Cecil, you know, I know how you guys do, but the cheap way for us, the gun, is for us, is really an off-season tool. Yep. But this is our first summer having two of them, mm-hmm. but we're going to use them a lot this summer. Yep. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we, what I, uh, we, we didn't do it as much this year. And, and it's, you know, again, as you, 
think back to the season. What could have you have done better as a coach? You know, and there's always stuff that you can improve on. Uh, what we had done really well, I felt like my last, my, my first three years that we didn't do as well this year is we really made a concentrated effort to set aside the last 18 to 20 minutes of every practice for skill development and shooting. Not to say we, we were doing a bunch of skill development and shooting during practice, but then doggone it, we made sure that we were doing a bunch of, you know, that we wrapped up with two or three different shooting stations and, and the, the doctor dish or whatever you want to call it was a, was a big part of that. And then this year, um, we, we just didn't do that and, uh, we need to get back to that, you know? So that's one thing I've definitely thought about in the last 48 to 72 hours is, oh, that's something we got away from and, and we've got to, we've got to get back to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be definitely using the snot out of it this summer as well too. So um, if you have ways that you if you have drills you use during the season, I gotta come to Nebraska to buy a cup of coffee. Like send them to me because I gotta. That's one thing I want to learn how to do. Like I need to, this summer or this August, I need to talk to people who find ways to use their shooting machines in season. I struggle to find time in the practice plan mm-hmm. to like okay, we're gonna get it out, set it all up, and then practice isn't going too hot. I will shoot later. Yeah, I will shoot tomorrow. It turns into that. I'm that coach. I will get shots up later. Yeah, so I need to find a way to just make it a part of our practice plan. Yeah, it's 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 something that I had to shift my own mind into. Was okay. Everything else be damned. We're gonna we're gonna spend the last fifteen eighteen minutes in in three five or six minute stations on skill development. Uh, and we, like I said, we did that my first three years. And then this year we just, we didn't do as good. And that's on me. That's, that's thousand percent my fault. Uh, but yeah, we could, if you want to drive to Nebraska, I, I won't, uh, I won't drink a coffee with you, but I'll sip on a Mountain Dew while you're having a coffee, a coffee. And, and, uh, we, we can do that then. How about that, Kevin? My, my wife is from Colorado. So we have made the drive a couple of times. <laughs> so. And that is just somewhere in Nebraska is usually where I have to stop. Hey, that's when I, when I'm, you know, when you become the husband of two kids and a wife, you're doing most of the driving because you're doing how to take care of the kids. So I'll just stay behind and go and drive, babe. But usually, there's usually Kearney or Lincoln is usually the stopping point for the white family. We're making the trek to Colorado in the summer, so hey. Stay by your stay by your phone when I'm, when I'm making this drive this summer. Hey, not not a problem at all. Give me a holler. That'd be great. So. Uh, Kevin White, head uh, boys basketball coach at Northern Portage High School, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Coach, I hope you've enjoyed your time on the pod. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Good luck this summer. Um, let's stay in touch. And if anybody wants to reach out to me through you, just have them contact me with the numbers and things I gave you. Thanks per- so much. Perfect, perfect. Why don't you hold the line here just a second here? Uh, we'll wrap up everything again. Kevin White, uh, terrific, uh, terrific coach, building a nice program there up in Kalamazoo. Uh, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, pen and a napkin. Again, unfortunately, now I have some time to put out some napkins. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bummed that I, gotta do, that, I, that I get to do napkins again, but, hey, it could be worse. So, uh, again, download, rate, review this podcast. Give us five stars. Email me if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas. A pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Hope folks enjoyed this episode. Uh, episode 211, Kevin White out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Great discussion. A lot of really Really, really good things. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day at a time.